Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw what was what that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away as they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell the disciples and Peter he is going ahead in of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That was incredible, all right? That was actually, if you're a parent here, you know what a miracle that was right there. <laughs> Easter miracles, they never stop. So welcome, it's great to have you guys here, and uh, I gotta tell you, I love Easter. And one of the reasons I love Easter is because growing up, I had two brothers, and Easter meant one thing, and it meant candy. Like, lots of candy. And my parents would give me and my two brothers each a solid chocolate Easter bunny. And we had a competition of who could make their Easter bunny last the longest. So come midsummer, we had like a gross deformed Easter bunny on our dressers that we'd just been nibbling away. I know it's disgusting. But what we really loved were peeps. Like, you know what peeps are? Those sugary marshmallow taste of heaven, you know? Little chicks and... Where they came from, we don't know. I think they're aliens from another planet, but we, we loved them. We loved them. And you know, what's crazy is, I went online, there are recipes for peeps. Like there are recipes for cupcakes and cookies. You can make peep cookies. You can actually make a peep pizza. You know what they call it? Pizza. Yeah, there you go. Exactly right, you've had it. But what's crazy is that company makes one billion peeps a year. One billion, that's four million a day. And I started asking myself, who eats four million <laughs> peeps a day? And I thought, you know what, today we do. Because I thought we would start today with a peep. You ready for a peep? Like, just have a peep. But you know what, to get to the people in the back, 
I thought, you know, hey, we gotta, we gotta prepare ourselves. Are right, you ready in the back? All right, here we go. Oh, there we go. All right, All right. There are other peep monsters in the crowd. I gotta tell you. Peeps, peeps, peeps for everybody, peeps. There you go, peeps. Sorry, parents, sorry. Like, oh, yeah. All right, one last one. I mean, we are in church, I need to hit Jesus, all right? I think I can get him. Uh, So, <laughs> so in the first service, it was a smaller crowd. In the whole front row were all these 10-year-old boys that had boxes of peeps, and I'd prepare it. And they started throwing them back at me. And I was literally <laughs> fighting for my life. But think about it for a second, because I, I want to tell you that there's a part of me that's very comfortable with church being about peeps. In fact, I kind of like the idea of having like a marshmallow Jesus. A marshmallow Jesus is a Jesus that never rose from the dead. He was just a good man and he was a good teacher. He was a Jesus that tried to bring goodness into the world like we try to bring. And if we just kept Jesus in the grave, if we just kept him a peep, then it still would be great, wouldn't it? Because Jesus, what, he gave us, gave us great lessons like love your neighbor as yourself. If we lived that out, think about how much of a better world this would be. Or love your enemies. Like if we loved our enemies, or he said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Imagine us living in a world where we saw all the things that we owned were not just for our good, but for the good of our community and for the good of those around us. Think about what a better world this would be if we all lived like that. He was kind to children. He was a great example of caring and loving. And the cross is a great example of how he sacrificed himself for the good of others. Like, I mean, and there are people in history that we look to like that, like Abraham Lincoln maybe, or maybe William Wallace, or possibly Spider-Man. I know, Spider-Man, it's true. With great power comes great responsibility, right? It's a kinder, gentler Jesus that stays in the grave. We can tame Jesus because we can start to think of him as just like us. But the Apostle Paul, kids, one of the books in the Bible was written by a guy named Paul, and listen to what he said. He said that if Christ has not risen, then what I'm doing right now is useless, and your faith is useless. And what he was saying was at the center of everything that we believe, everything that happens here at Midtown, like some of you are first time attenders here, you're here with family. Some of you are visitors, like wondering what's happening at this campus and now I shot a peep and you're like, we're never coming back. I get it, all right? I get it, I get it. I, hey, I'm not sure I'd go to a church where I'm the pastor either, all right? I understand. Some of you have been away since the pandemic and this is kind of your first, kind of stepping your toe back into community. We love that you're here. We absolutely love what you, that you're here. And what we're doing here is we're living out what it looks like when a community believes that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And this is a resurrection community. See, because here's what's crazy. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead for himself first. Like he declared, I am high king of heaven. 
that death cannot conquer me, that he is master over all things, that everything he said while he walked on the earth was true because he declared it by true by having the power to rise from the dead. And he ascended to heaven and sat on the throne. But he didn't just rise to, the, to new life for him, he also rose to new life for us. See, we serve a Jesus, and this is so inconvenient, and it's so dangerous for us that one of Jesus is just a peep, is that we serve a Jesus who loves to bring dead things to life. He loves it. He came to life so that he could bring dead things to life. He's in the business of making dead men and women alive men and women. He's in the business of making hopeless people into people that are exuberant with hope. He's in the business of taking broken people, broken marriages, broken relationships, broken kids, broken parents, broken businesses, broken people. He's in the business of taking those broken things and making them whole again. He's in the business of taking curses, and we've all been cursed. I mean, you can't go through this life without somebody casting a curse on you. And we wear that curse, and we remember that curse our entire lives. You're not enough. You're unlovable. You don't fit in. All those things that keep haunting us with shame. And Jesus, a living Jesus, a resurrected Jesus, comes and breaks that curse and says it has no more power over you. The curse is broken. The spell is gone. That's what a resurrection Jesus does. I mean, and here's what's crazy. I'm almost done. I promise. Especially those downstairs. Are you glad that I'm almost done? They didn't make it. We loved them. They were awesome. Soon as they didn't get peeps down there, they're like, we're out. Like, this is crazy. Here's what's crazy is when Jesus, this resurrected Jesus comes and brings me life and he brings life into me, he actually makes me now a transmitter of life. I don't just receive it. I actually now am one that now gives it and participates with him and bringing life into the world that I live in. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, the first Adam, which was in the garden, Adam and Eve, the first Adam became a life, a living being, and the last Adam, Jesus, a life-giving spirit. And just as we bore the image of the earthly man, so we will bear the image of the heavenly one. When Christ comes and brings his resurrection power into our lives, it transforms us into those that bring life wherever we go. In Romans 6, it says, don't you know that when we, when we were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We may live a new life. And what is the new life? Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the power of the resurrection. It even says in Ephesians chapter one, I'm going to slow down. I'm talking so fast, I can't even keep up with my words. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 says, Paul says, I pray that your eyes would be open. And what that means is there is something that you have, that you have that you can't get rid of. And Paul says, open your eyes and see that you have it. Don't go, you can't go get it. You can't trade for it. You can't figure out a way to go dig it up out of your backyard. You already have it. If you have Christ, the resurrected Christ, what do you have? You have riches. You have hope. And listen to what he says. You have power. And listen to what he says about this power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms 
far above all rule and authorities, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And here's what's crazy about Midtown. If you're just looking in, here's what's crazy about this community. What we fight is not to get something. We fight to believe that we have something. We don't fight to become something. We fight to believe that he has already made us something. Marianne Williamson in her poem, Our Deepest Fear, she goes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Kids, you are all those things. Why? Because you are a child of God. And Midtown, listen to this, and visitors, listen to this. You playing small does not serve the world. And see, the Lord is working here at Midtown. And we love that you're here, and we'd love for you to look into this community where everything we do, we do by the power of the resurrection of Christ. For example, like when we give each other our courage, have you ever done that? Have you ever said to a friend, you need to borrow my courage and I'm going to give it to you? Or have you encouraged someone? When we encourage one another in the power of Christ, that's the power of the resurrection. When we listen to each other, when we're down and we need to be heard, when we carry each other's burdens, when we teach each other and we pray for each other, and even when we fight with each other. I know, fighting fair. But when we fight for each other, we experience the power of the resurrection. And here's what's crazy is we're fighting now because resurrection gives me a life of purpose. It gives me a life that's full of gifts. It gives me a life that has a calling to it. It gives me a life that allows me now to know that my life is more than just about me. So didn't y'all watch the Masters, was it last weekend? Okay, three people on the front row. What do the rest of y'all do? The Masters was on. Do y'all know who won it? Scotty. Scotty Schiffler. And here's what's interesting is that he, when he uh, was being interviewed, if you saw the interview, he was talking about how, you know, and you've seen this where, where sports figures will go, ah, you know, to his glory and all that stuff. And they were interviewing him and he says, you know, I'm really glad that I won and it really is to the glory of the Lord. But if I would have lost, that would have been to his glory too because my life exists to bring him glory. And me and some guys were talking about that. Everybody said, how do you like work that into like our lives? Like when you're making a sales call, hey, I'm just calling to see if you want to renew that order for the glory of the Lord. <laughs> so if you renew it, glory to the Lord. If you don't, glory to the Lord. I, but what, we're laughing, but what if that is the reality of the resurrection power? Is that now our lives are about something more than just ourselves? And that we're fighting to understand what's been given to us so that we can live out of the deep depth of that. Now, you've been given a bulletin, uh, and on that bulletin, there's a QR code. And if you don't know what's going on here, you ought, to, you ought to just click on there and go see the amazing ways that we are living out the resurrection power here and inviting you into that too. And we do that with groups. We have groups that meet every week. We do that by service to one another and caring for one another and all the ways we do that. We also do it in our a farmer's market that'll start back out here in May in our food co-op where we're bringing fresh produce into the inner city and our partnership with planting a church in the Napier Sotocombe home projects. Like, there's a lot of ways that you can step into the resurrection power. So let me finish. When I was seven years old, our should I say the day that I turned seven years old? I'll never forget it because my dad said to me 
we're gonna take you to the circus for your birthday. And I said, that's awesome. He says, now pick out five or six of your friends. So I got all my friends together and my dad took us all down to the Coliseum. That was the name of this little auditorium down in our small little town. And the lights went down and the circus was about to start and we're all excited, we're eating popcorn, you know. And the lights came down on the center of the circus arena and we saw over in the corner, these people were pulling this cart out to the center of the arena with a cage on it. And you really couldn't see because it was in the shadows, but as it got closer and closer to the light, you could see the whole cage was shaken. And in the cage, it wasn't an empty cage, in the cage was a giant gorilla. And this gorilla was berserk. He was going crazy, just shaking the cage and shouting and just beating his chest and going nuts. And he had our full attention, like full attention. And when he got to the center of the spotlight in the center of the stage, he was shaking it so hard, the gate on the back of the cage kicked open and he jumped out of the cage. I'm not kidding you, this literally happened. And we are just frozen because it's not a big auditorium, this is a small town. And he started running straight for us. And I thought, this is it, seven, that's highlight. I'm not gonna make any more. This is the best and worst birthday of all time. (laughs) And I literally said, I will not die on this day. I said that out loud as a seven-year-old. I will not die on this day. And I turned around and I ran. I ran to the concession stand and somebody left the door open. And I slid into the concession stand underneath the cotton candy machine. And I stayed under that cotton candy machine for the rest of the circus. You know what I didn't know? It was a man in a gorilla suit. It was the clowns. that were coming out. But when you face something that's bigger than you, more powerful than you, scarier than you, you wanna run, because it doesn't feel safe at all. And I'm gonna tell you that when Jesus busted out of the tomb and said he is alive, it is scary, because he's coming to change everything. And he's coming over to turn over your convenient tables. And he's come over to keep you from living life small. And he's inviting you to live out of your deep and profound purpose because Jesus has no rival. Jesus is greater than death. Jesus is greater than any sin you brought in here. Jesus is greater than any struggle you've got going on in your life right now. Jesus is greater than any wound, any trauma that you've ever experienced. He is greater than any mistake you've ever made. He is greater than your past. He is even greater of all your fears about the future. He is greater than your doubts. He's greater than your addictions. He's greater than your fears. And let me tell you what else is greater. He is greater than all those desires in your heart that you're terrified to tell anybody that lived there. He is greater than all those things. And I'm gonna tell you, just like C.S. Lewis said, the Jesus that we serve here at Midtown, he is not safe, but he is good. And that's what we celebrate today. Because he is the key of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway of glory. He is the master of the mighty. He is the captain of the conquerors. He is the head of the heroes. He is the leader of the legislator. He is the overseers of the overseers. He is the governor of governors. He is the prince of peace. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He has risen. Father, bless us now as we worship your holy name, high king of heaven, living Jesus that has come now to give us life and dare us to live it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.